are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're listening to the Elder Scrolls. Lorcas! Either you are, or I'll be skipping rope with your entrails. Ta-ta. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Lorecast. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the amazing universe of the Elder Scrolls. Adventurers, welcome back to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm with Lotus of Doom today to talk about... Morrowind. Indeed. Lotus, are you ready to dig into the great houses in the history of Morrowind? I am. It's very, very easy to understand. There's very little on it. Uh, no complexity. A, yeah, no, it'll be, it's very smooth. Uh, there's no tension between the houses. No, this is all a lie. Um, <laughs> um, as, as most people know, my favorite game in the series is Morrowind. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was first playing through this and didn't know anything about any of the lore to Elder Scrolls, and it was just a weird, really open game that I played on an original Xbox. I remember trying to figure out what was going on with the political system in mm-hmm. Morrowind on Vardenfell because it's uh it's weird. Uh it's yeah, it's not only it's 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 complex. It's very alien. <laughs> it's very alien. The culture is very different from our own. There's uh there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of history to draw from. There's there's yeah. a lot of this stuff. So we we haven't covered a lot of Morrowind. We've talked about some of the some of the details of more. We talked about the Chimer and turning into the Dunmer. We've talked about some of the uh, some of the groups that come from more of a Dunmeri perspective in history, but we haven't actually yep. gone into the houses and the government. Right, and and it's pretty unique, even just like uh, like mentioning the Salian and all, but it's pretty unique even to the other parts of the game like of the series like it's pretty unique in and of itself um just with some of the moral gray areas that they just consider normal like Mm. assassination just Mm -hmm. like it's a thing you can do if you're if you're slighted or whatever so yeah uh, it's got some very interesting parts and the houses are pretty unique to each other which is i guess what probably causes some of the tension right yeah there's a lot of diversity so we're going to get into this and this is a big topic we're probably going to have to split this up over a few episodes we'll see if it's going to take two or three episodes today we're just going to dig into the history of the political structure and what's going on we're not going to go too far back but we'll remind you of some of the stuff going on with the chimer and how things kind of came about in dunmary history and then we're going to introduce some of the houses and things but we'll dig deeper into each of the houses and some of the other stuff that's going on this is also going to be a very uh uesp heavy episode because the way they summarize things is going to make it very a lot easier for us to basically piggyback off of that in order to springboard off the back of a pig or guar into what we're talking about today. Great. That, that analogy just flowed perfectly. <laughs> so, yes. So, so yes. Um, but anyway, uh, also, if you're if you're tuning in live, welcome. Thank, thank you for being here. We normally do the show on Tuesday and Thursday nights, but uh, Thursday night didn't work out this week. So we're catching up on a Saturday. Yeah. So if it's you're a little if, disease, so if you're wondering, sound a little off. It's yeah. because of that. If you're wondering, like, where was the episode? Well, so we had to push it back a few days, but we're still yeah. here. We're still here. So don't worry. But now I can talk for an hour. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Lotus's voice is going to work the whole time. So here we go. Let's get into this. Um, well, first, I want to start off with a, a one of the books. We've been doing a lot more of quoting directly from the books. There is a book that was first seen in The Elder Scrolls Morrowind, but also shows up in Skyrim, but not any of the other games. And it's called A Short History of Morrowind uh, by Jeanette Sitt. Some experts from the book's introduction and its section on Vardenfell. So here, let's dig into this. It says... 
from the introduction, this is the introduction section of the book. We don't get the whole book anywhere. We only get these specific passages. And it says, led by the legendary prophet Veloth, the ancestors of the Dunmer, exiles from Altmer cultures in present day Somerset Isles, came to the region of Morrowind. Its earliest times, the Dunmer were harassed in, in earliest times. They were harassed or dominated by Nord Sea Raiders when the scattered Dunmer tribes consolidated into the predecessors of the modern Great House clans. And this is where we're really going to focus in. It's on the clans. They threw out the Nord oppressors and successfully resisted further incursions. The ancient ancestors' worship of the tribes was in time superseded by the monolithic tribunal temple theocracy. And the Dunbar grew into a great nation called Resdane. Resdane was the, was the last of the provinces to submit to Tiber Septum. Like Black Marsh, it was never successfully invaded and was peacefully incorporated by treaty into the empire as the province of Morrowind. So let's pause there. We've got some we got some words to, that we have to kind of dissect a little bit. We have the ancestor worship. We have the also also the fact that the Keimer and then the Dunmer were worshiping some of the the good Daedra, which we've talked about before. Yep. So we, we don't need to go back and recount a lot of that. But just remember, remember this moving on. And some of those Daedra were um, what's the word that they use? They were like predecessors to the tribunal. They were. Anticipations. Oh, yeah, that's the word. Anticipations yep. of the tribunal. The tribunal being Vivek, Sothasil, and Amalexia, who are these living gods who the Dunmer now worship, who actually, you know, live in with them among the yeah. people, right? Yeah, it, it's interesting that from the Dunmeri perspective here, a lot of times, I mean, you get a lot of supernatural stuff in this world because magic's a thing and they interact with Daedra, which are supernatural beings, as opposed to Aedra, which is a little, well, how often do you see them? How much do you think they interact? Stuff like that. This is even more than that, where it's like, yeah, my God, he lives over in Vivek City, Vivek. Uh, right. He's just chilling in his tower and they're doing their own thing. It's like, no, you can literally go see them like this. Just yeah. if you want to. Or Amalexia is just chilling in Mournhold and in, in her shrine. So it's like they are completely tangible beings, which usually in terms of in, in religion, you don't get to literally just walk up and be like, oh, hey, God, and just like, right, want to shake hands? Like, <laughs> I suppose it's kind of similar to living during the times of, say, ancient Egypt, when oh, the sure. pharaoh was worshipped not only not only as, say, king or Royalty, emperor, but, but, but the, like they were a living God. God. Status. Right. Yeah. So to, to go have... Uh, you know, an opportunity to see the Pharaoh at like a special event was probably very powerful for a lot of people because of sure. what they believe the Pharaoh actually was. Um, so, yeah, and, and that happens in other history, historical cultures as well. There was a time where the Romans were trying to say they were God kings, too, and all of that. Sure. But, um, I, I have a feeling the people at the time of the ancient Pharaohs were a little bit more convinced or at least a larger popular part of the population was convinced of that. Yes. Also, <laughs> the, the 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 fact that, you know, magic is such a thing within this, um, it's probably a lot easier to convince people that you are God. Uh, if you have you actual can, magic. <laughs> yeah, and you can do like actual crazy magic powers. I mean, Or is it harder from, because the guy down the street can do crazy magic things too? I guess that's also valid. Right? But Maybe it's both. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of both. And I mean, we can get into certain situations specifically, but when you have something, for example, uh, the giant rock that hovers above um, Vivek City, Bardao, mm -hmm. it, Vivek literally prevents it from squishing everybody. Right, like, right. And, so and like, people were there okay. to witness the fact that he did, he stopped it. Yes, exactly. So they can so say... It's not even like a metaphorical, yeah. like, oh, well, in you know, lesson 17, he says he does this. Okay, well, maybe he does, maybe they don't. Whereas that, it's just like, no, a bunch of people saw you just save the city. Right. I mean, we even have a storyline in ESO during the Morrowind right. expansion where Bowdow looks like it's going to crash again. It's going to fall yep. down because Vivek's powers are waning because of something going on. And then it, it actually moves a little bit. And then there's the whole like, oh, God, it's going to happen. And then he's able to stop it again. But right. um, 
But yeah, like that seems way more convincing of like this dude who says he's a god, actual legitimate god. He's holding a Correct. boulder in the sky. Now, why he can't just move that boulder somewhere else? That's a whole nother topic for another day. Uh, maybe he wants to make people continue to pray to him. Uh, <laughs> it seems very advantageous to not just get rid of the boulder. Yeah, they, they certainly seem to like to literally and figuratively hold it over people. Yeah, literally holding it over their heads. So here, let's get into a little little bit more here. We have um, the. the the nation was called Resdane and was one of the last provinces to submit to Tiber Septum. This is the towards the end of the the first era, the first age of the world. Uh, I believe it's the end of the first age. Am I mixing this up? Yes, I think it's the second. Is it the end of the second? No, you're right. It is. It's the end of the second. Yes. Yeah, I believe it's the so, end of the second because that's when. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, should yeah. be the end of the second. I I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Yes. Yep. The end of the second is Tiber Septum. Tiber Septum hasn't come yet in ESO. Correct. Yeah, the ESO first is like 400 years before the end of the age, which is when Tiber Septum comes and conquers Pops everything. Up. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so that makes sense. Um, so it goes on. It says almost four centuries after the coming of the Imperial Legions, Morrowind is still occupied by Imperial Legions with a figurehead Imperial King. Though the Empire has reserved most functions of the traditional local government to the ruling councils of the five great houses. So the five houses maintain a a significant amount of control and influence over the society from, I believe it's towards the end of the first era onward in through the second era or the third through the second and then into the third yeah, through as well the second into the third yeah right, right. so it goes, it's a little weird when you're crossing from era to era yeah yeah it gets a little bit mixed up um so this continues and says on vardenfeld district in the third era 414 so 414 vardenfeld territory previously a temple preserved under imperial imperial protection was reorganized as an imperial provincial district vardenfeld had been maintained as a preserved administrated by yeah administrated by the temple since the treaty of the armistice and except for a few great house settlements sanctioned by the temple vardenfell was previously uninhabited and undeveloped but when the centuries old temple ban on trade and settlement of vardenfell was revoked by king of by king of morrowind this doesn't say the king it says king of morrowind king of what if that's a typo maybe a flood of imperial colonists in great house of dunmer came to vardenfell expanding old settlements and building new ones so 400 years into the third era they continue they begin expanding in, in this area again in vardenfell specifically the new district was divided into redoran halalu talvani and temple districts, each separately administered by local house councils or temple priesthoods, and all under the advice and consent of Duke Dren and the district council in Ebenhart. Local law became a mixture of house law and imperial law. This is an interesting point. This imperial influence from the point from Tiber Septum's time on was still a thing, but like I mentioned before, there's still a lot of influence from the houses. It's a mix of right. house law and imperial law. They're kind of tri- like putting a like a a foot in both worlds, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, because they they aren't completely conquered like most of the other places. Like it, this was much more of an agreement than a okay. So we're going to pretend like you have some input, and we're just going to tell you what to do. This was much more of an actual split where where right. the people of Morrowind still actually did have a say because they couldn't just march in and take over like every place else sans Black Marsh, which was just unconquerable. <laughs> right, right. This is very similar to what um, the Roman Empire did with a lot of places that were were willing to just negotiate and give them control. In some places yeah. that they conquered, they let the, the cultures maintain what they were doing as long as they paid their taxes to the emperor and they right. if they needed to conscript conscript you know forces for something they would throw in they, they did what the empire asked them to do and by following through with that they were able to maintain a large portion of their culture the, the roman empire wasn't about going and squashing other cultures so much as they were just getting people in line and making sure they followed what they Correct. wanted to do Correct, and it's it's much more of an assimilation thing where it's mm-hmm. like okay yeah you join us you do you and then at the same time it's like like you said, as long as they're paying their tribute, so to speak, they can keep their stuff. There's probably going to be you know, Imperials in this, not using the real life Roman analogy, but like the Imperials would probably be in the province to an extent and stuff like that. And you'd get a weird mash of both cultures and you get this new sort of hybrid culture where it's like, well, it's sort of imperialized. It's sort of, we actually start 
a decent amount um, in the Black Marsh or Black Marsh, the uh, Blackwood expansion last mm-hmm. year in Elder Scrolls Online. You were technically near the swamp region of Leowin and stuff like that, but it was a mix of heavily, heavily Argonian, but also they were very imperialized Argonians. So it, it, you know, it wasn't as much the tribal thing as you would get as you go deeper into the swamp. Very similar situation here. Right, right. Yeah, there's that influence of the Imperials over uh, several hundred years at this point. Um, This document goes on at one point. It says the temple was still recognized as a majority religion, but worship of the nine divines was protected by the legions and encouraged by Imperial cult missions. So, again, you've got that kind of both going on temple worship and then the imperials nine divines which right. you experience a lot of that if you've played things like oblivion or skyrim where they're talking about oh by the divines blah, 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 right. like they're all going on about the divines all the time well the the native dunmer didn't worship the divines they worshiped either the old <laughs> the old uh predecessors to the tribunal temple or the the temple itself the temple itself or you know there's also a lot of veneration and ancestor worship which is kind Mm -hmm. of tied intrinsically into sort of the daedra worship thing just because it was their their i don't know ancestors as they lived through were the ones who brought them to where they are now so it's like well we also need to venerate them and we can get into it a little later on but it's like that much like you get tangible versions Ancestors objectively can protect the family, as in like the ghost fence, which is a thing that is built and like they use literal ancestor protection to keep them safe at points. And it's like, yep, yeah, no, the, the ghosts keep us safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here, the next section actually talks about Ghostgate. Um, the temple district, including the city of Vivek, which many of you have visited in ESO, even if you haven't played um, the original Morrowind. Yeah, the fortress construction in ESO. Right. The fortress of Ghostgate and all sacred and profane sites, including those blighted areas inside the ghost fence and all unsettled and wilderness areas on Vardenfell. In practice, this district included all parts of Vardenfell not claimed for Redoran, Hlalu, or Telvani districts. The temple stubbornly fought all development in their district and were largely successful. So there's this split there. House Hlalu, now now we're getting into some of the houses, in combination with Imperial colonists, embarked on a vigorous campaign of settlement and development. In the decades after reorganization, Balmora and the Ascadian Isles regions have grown steadily. Caldera and Pelagiad? This one, I I don't know. That sounds fine to me. I feel it was all text in Morrowind. Like we we never hear anybody's talk. I've never heard words. I don't believe I've ever heard that said. Yeah. Pelagiad uh, are completely new settlements. Pelagiad is how I would say that, I guess. Yeah. So there are completely new settlements as of the when this was written in the 400th year of the third era. And all Legion forts were expanded to accommodate larger garrisons. House Telvani, so that's Hualu, Hualu having to do with that section. House Telvani, normally conservative and isolationist, so each of the houses has their certain kind of qualities, has been surprisingly aggressive in expanding beyond their traditional tower villages. Disregarding the protests of other houses, the temple, the duke, and the district council, Telvani pioneers have been encroaching on the wildlands reserved to the temple. The Telvani council officially disavows responsibility for these rogue Telvani settlements, but it is an open secret that they are encouraged and supported by ambitious Telvani mage lords. So you can you can think of each of the houses as kind of like their own little mini governments. Yeah. Basically, it, it's yeah, it's it's think of it as like a state that has like a pretty substantial amount of power to judge themselves. And Telvani, I always find funny just because um, they have this like mouthpiece version of like, oh, well, all right, we, you know, they're a little rogue or whatever. But Telvani totally doesn't give an F like they're just, <laughs> we're going to do what we want. Like, right. And right. and there's several incidences of this. What the most notorious, you know, in the time of ESO in the second era, when they're currently working on outlawing um, slavery and the Ebonheart Pact. Mm-hmm. And Telvani's like, we're just not going to join the pact. We like slaves. It's just like, OK, that's just, you're right. just right. totally going to not. It's like, eh, whatever. The rest of the people can do what they want. We're going to continue to do this. It's like. 
If, if you want to help that bad, you'll just accept what we're going to do, because uh, one of the things they have a lot of leverage in, which we can get into later when we discuss specifically the Telvani, their mage prowess is like unparalleled. So they yeah. kind of have this air of like, well, we're better than you anyway. So, I mean, you can either just deal with us doing our own thing or you can, you know, try to try to work without us like. You can hear a little bit of that in the line here where it says ambitious Telvani mage lords. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a level of condescending that always hovers around the Telvani. Yeah. Yeah. So it, this document goes on. This document is fairly long for one of these one of these books, but it it, it it consolidates a lot of the info. Under pressure from the temple, conservative house Redoran has steadfastly resisted expansion in their district. As a result, House Redoran and the Temple are in danger of being politically and economically, mar- economically marginalized by the more aggressive and expansionist Hualu and Telvani interests. So Redoran, not as not as aggressive as the other two. There's potential that they're going to be kind of eaten up by the others. It, it is interesting because Lalu kind of covers the. Yeah, you know, let's let's actually merge and see see where we go with this. Whereas Redoran is like, no, we already have this set up. We don't want to deal with this. They're very very opposed to each other, mm-hmm. um, and and that's interesting because those two I find are at odds with each other overtly more than some of the other houses. Yeah, because they just have very, very diametrically opposed ideals where it's just like, mm-hmm. yes, we're accepting and progressive. No, leave us alone. We've got our own thing. We don't need the imperial rule here. Yeah. And there is open uh, dissent and open aggression. And then there is hidden aggression. And yeah. hit, like there's there's a lot of uh, political intrigue going on between these houses, as, as we'll dig into a little bit more later. Um the next document, the next the same document, the next paragraph says the Imperial administration faces many challenges in the Vardenfeld district, but the most serious are the Great House rivalries. This is what we're talking about. Animosity from the Ashlander nomads. So Ashlanders aren't part of a specific house. No, they're, they're, just- they're basically just divorced from all of that. They they consider the tribunal heretical and they're mm-hmm. they're total liars. So, yeah, these are these are all ancestor worship leave us alone like you guys are full of it and this is just a giant ruse so right and like and like it, you can kind of assume from the title ashlander they're the ones who live on the sides of the mountain yeah. in the ashlands where nobody else wants that space and they they basically are are the more uh indigenous of uh, you could if you were to call them a tribe they'd be like the most indigenous of the tribes yep. oh, the yeah, ones who absolutely. just live off the land Yeah, it goes on. It says internal conflicts with the temple itself and the Red Mountain blight struggles between Great House temple and imperial interests to control Vardenfell's resources could at any time erupt into full scale war. Ashlanders raid settlements, plunder caravans and kill foreigners on their wild lands. The temple has unsuccessfully attempted to silence criticism and calls for reform within its ranks. So there's one more paragraph we'll get into. But what this is painting is a picture. This this is the kind of document you would have read while playing the Elder Scrolls Morrowind. And you have to put yourself in the mindset of when you would have read this. You would have you may have played something like Daggerfall, maybe one or two of the other Elder Scrolls games. But most people who came to Morrowind didn't have any concept of those other games at all. They had mm-hmm. no concept at all. They're coming in blind. And on, on top of that, not only were they blind to who the heck the Daedric princes were or who are these Imperials and why are they worshiping these divines? But all of this would have been foreign. So this is a lot to 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 take in and that's why books like this made sense in the game because if you took the time to sit and read them you had more of a sense of like okay who am i talking to what side are they on and what's going on here but basically what it's saying is that this is a time of turmoil and there's a lot of just struggle for power across all of these groups the imperials the houses the um ashlanders the temple worshipers like each group kind of has their own agenda right so that's that's what we got going here. Last paragraph says, but most serious are the plagues and diseases or in diseased hosts produced by the blight storms sweeping out from Red Mountain. 
Vardenfell and all Morrowind have long been menaced by the legendary evils of Dagoth Ur and his ash vampire kin swelling beneath Red Mountain. This gets into the storyline of the game Morrowind. For centuries, the temple has contained this threat within the ghost fence, but recently the temple's resources and will have faltered, and the threat from Red Mountain has grown in scale and intensity. If the ghost fence should fail, the hosts of blight monsters were to split, spill out across Vardenfell's towns and villages. The Empire might have no choice but to evacuate Vardenfell district and abandon it to disease and corruption. So this is like, hey, you don't know anything about this world that you just entered. Here's what's going on with the political landscape. And oh, by the way, Dagother and Ash vampires are, are going to eat everybody <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna say there's this looming threat of just being consumed by this cloud of toxic fumes like oh great yeah yeah so that's kind of a i like this document because it gives us kind of a rough overview of where we are at the time of the fourth century in the third mm-hmm. era um, and it gets us up to speed with that so if you did listen back to the Keimer episode you can you can go back in time Merithic era you've got the Altmer you've got the uh, settling of places in Tamriel you have the Aldmer and then groups of the Aldmer decide that they're going to um, you have the Aldmer become the Altmer am I mixing that up uh read re- uh, say that once the more Aldmer, that right the Aldmer Come to Tamriel, become the Altmer. Correct. Right. Okay. I'm, yes, I'm mixing correct. up the D and the T here. Oh, well, and that's then, why I was trying to make sure you said yes. the D first, then the T. Right. right. So D first, then it even T. Sounds. This sounds so similar. This stuff is so the, easy the to mix up in your just, head. You can remember via alphabetically. Yes. There you go. It, it, there you go. But it sounds like again, if if you say it fast or whatever, it's like, wait, did you say alt or alt? <laughs> right. Right. So groups of Altmer slash Aldmer settle across. Tamriel. Some of them you get become aliens. Some of them become snow elves. Some of them turn into the Chimer and the Chimer decide to leave. The Chimer go through the stuff that they do. They become the Dunmer. They settle here and then they form these houses and then all the stuff that we just talked about. And so now you've gone from like the Merithic era all the way up to the middle of the third era. And that's that's where the game Morrowind starts. And that's where during that ESO to Morrowind game itself era is when the the houses are the most interesting i would say after that we get a little bit of glimpses in skywind as in skywind as in skyrim <laughs> of what might have happened in in the time since then but not a whole lot it's not particularly clear and we also don't go there so is that a, is that a good summary or did i just confuse everybody more <laughs> hopefully that was the problem is that's like kind of as concise as i think you can be um it's just unfortunately with how much there is this tends up tends to be a little word dumpy just because there's so much of it Mm -hmm. um and we're not even diving in yet to any of the individual houses this is just how the structure works and which houses tend to be involved and the fact that it's there's even fluctuation in which houses are considered great houses and become lesser houses and lesser houses become great houses and all sorts of stuff. Like it's just that, that dynamic itself can change. Like it's not just a guaranteed it's like, well, you're a great house. So you're always a great house. Well, no, you can have a fall and there's, you know, we'll, we'll get into, there are many great houses that are no longer great houses. Like That's true. That's true. There's a number of different houses. And um, so we'll see, tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. We'll thank our patrons. We're going to dig a little bit further into the events um, from the armistice with Tiber Septum on and then through into the, the third era. And then we'll just give you a quick little glimpse of just the, the names of all the different houses so those can kind of get in your minds. And then we'll have to follow up on the next episode. Well, actually two weeks because we have the patron episode coming up. Um, with the different houses and get a little bit more into the details of each of those because there's a lot to unpack here. So tell you what, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards and I've seen 
pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This is a Mishmorak Dragon Boy, and you are educating yourself to the Elder Scrolls lore cast. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and a big shout out to all of our patrons, and uh, Elenok in chat says, can you all link the Patreon? Yeah, it's patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And that should get you right to it. And um, big shout outs to all of our new patrons this week. And why is my face so itchy? I keep on having to scratch my nose. It's like I'm doing too much cocaine. I don't do co- co- cocaine, <laughs> but that's what it's like. Um, don't do drugs, kids. Uh, all right. So we've got uh, we got some new patrons. We have Jay and Logan C and Kyle C and Chardonnay D. I don't know if that's a real name because it's a really fancy name to be named after a type of wine. I'm just going to assume they're very fancy. That's a very fancy person. So yep. thank you. Thank you to all of you for signing up. And um, also, big shout out to all 118 of our different patrons currently. And that includes our Daedric Princess, who get shout outs every week, Kiracy and Noodle Al Dente. Thank you for being here and supporting the show. We also have a brand new uh, review here from Apple Podcasts. This is from Stringbean01, who I don't think we read out last week. Sometimes these come in. And the that is not a name I would remember delayed. because I like that name. Yeah. So, so Stringbean01 writes, Noise. <laughs> That's I have to say it. I have to say it like the Beastie Boys. Noise. Okay. All right. I was wondering if they were Australian. No, no, no. That's the way the Beastie Boys say it. Like, All right. I don't know. I, I don't remember which song that's from, but they say, Noise. Like that. All right, I'm going to just believe you. I don't know. I should cover some Beastie Boy songs. Anyway, so we've got Paul Revere. That's my favorite <laughs> song from them. <laughs> um, so we've got, all right, String Bean writes, I listen at work and it definitely helps get through the day. Has definitely gotten me back into the grind of playing a franchise that was that has shaped my life. Tom and Lotus have an amazing way of describing the world of Elder Scrolls. Would give 10 stars if I was allowed. Thumbs Aww. up. Thanks so much, String Bean. That's, That's awesome. so nice. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to leave us a review, a five-star review in the future, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And if even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you have an Apple account, you can just log in, just search for the page. It'll come up in Google. And then you can just drop a review in there. That would be amazing. And uh, Elenok, thank you for joining us. You're going to get another shout out next week as we can kind of pull that up again. But Elenok in chat says they just, <laughs> just signed up here. as well. So yeah, <laughs> so happy to be here. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And um, a bit. Here's the the big thing is this next week we have a holiday in the United States, Thanksgiving, and that shows up every year on a Thursday. And sure does. Thursdays are when we do the recording. And we there isn't normally... a single thought about this show when Thanksgiving was decided on as a holiday long before we existed. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. Unbelievable. So rude. But normally we would record this on the last Thursday of the month, which happens to be on Thanksgiving next week, the 24th. So uh, I know it's kind of a busy week for everybody. And then pushing it into the next week is too long. And I don't want to just skip a week. So if our patrons are able, I don't know, Lotus, what your schedule looks like, but we could do it on a Friday or a Saturday night. Instead, yeah, I was going to so, say, maybe maybe if this weird time works for people and it doesn't involve time, me being sick, I mean, maybe we could make this work. Yeah, or something so let's like let's, we'll figure shoot, it out. let's shoot for Saturday, a week from when we're recording this today. So Saturday, the what is that? The the 26th. At, that sounds right. We'll shoot for what, like 8 p.m.? That's yeah, good. seems just seems like it seems probably works. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Chat. Um, if you're if you're in our 
our group or if you uh if you are a patron or if you're going to sign up for a yeah. patron ch- chime in on the discord let us know what you think about that time yeah uh, let us know what you think and we'll see if we can get something working yeah and what you want to talk about we're happy to talk also about that whatever you guys <laughs> want to talk about we'll, we'll figure something out we always do so let us know what you think and thank you again to all of our patrons and everyone who helps support the show and leaves us ratings and reviews on whatever platform you listen on we appreciate it all right let's move on with the rest of the show you're listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, dear child of cities. That is why the Night Mother loves you. All right. So now that we've got kind of an introduction to the way that book, A Short History of Morrowind, explains the events, the different houses, those kinds of things. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into what is specifically listed in the Great Houses section of the UESP wiki, uh, starting with the Armistice, the Second Era 896. This is Tiber Septum time. This is after ESO and the events that move on from there. So here, we'll read through some more stuff and then we'll we'll summarize and expand on it as we go. So in the Second Era 896, the Armistice was signed between Tiber Septum and Vivek, which saw Morrowind reorganized as a province of the Empire, right? We talked about that before. Hlalu, here we get into the different houses, Hlalu eagerly accepted this unexpected turn of events, while Redoran, grateful for a graceful excuse to avoid facing the legions unsupported, were the second to accept the treaty. So they didn't want to have to go to war and not be supported yeah, by Yeah, there's just more begrudging, like, okay, this is not going to go well if we have to fight you, so sure. Yeah. Whereas Hlalu was much more like, yeah, this sounds great, let's do it. And uh, the House Telvani joining them shortly after. So they were the third to to join in, which makes sense. They're the least. Yeah. And they're willing. just like, yeah, all right, we'll see how this plays out. Like, yeah. So House Inderil and Dress, who we haven't talked about before. And there are multiple houses. In fact, why don't we go through the list of all of them right now? Just to just to name them off. And get just them to in, really in your mention heads. the right. house. Yeah, that might be important to sort of using names that have no contact. We can go into finer details later, but just so you know what the houses are. Yeah. So there's Redoran, Telvani, Inderil, Dress, Sadris, Hlalu, Dagoth. Sounds familiar. Dagoth, or we mentioned him mm-hmm. before. Um, and then there are some historic houses. House Dwemer, mm-hmm. Mora, Rothim, Salothan, and Sotha. Another name that should sound familiar. Sotha. Yes. So there you go. So th- those are those are names that are going to pop up as houses at some point. Um, or, or not necessarily in this section, but you will hear about the, more of them definitely on the next episode. So it goes on and says, House Indoril and Dress swore they would resist to the death, and the Lord High Counselor of the Grand Council, himself in Indoril, refused to accept the treaty and refused to step down. He was assassinated <laughs> and replaced how that happens. by a Halalu. Lotus, how would he be assassinated? You know, it's almost like you could just sanction this type of thing in the <laughs> it was like legally sanctioned what yeah it, it's almost like that's part of their culture that you can just you know this person's causing a lot of problems let's uh get ourselves a quick writ of execution almost like something that a lot of people enjoy in games uh with the dark brotherhood mm-hmm. but there's a legal version essentially of the dark brother less culty uh, <laughs> Less culty, a little, little more cut and dry. Although the Dark Brotherhood cultiness aside, does it for money along with everybody else. Sure, sure. This is where you get to hear uh, the other group, the Morag Tong, which is just basically, yeah, they're just hired assassins as part of a government-approved thing, legally sanctioned assassins. Yes, Yes. which I will say, uh, as I like to kind of make references whenever I can specifically to the game, one of my favorite things about the series at first was being able to join the Morag Tong in the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. And I was like, oh, my God, you can just kill people like what is happening? Right. The thing about it, which is something that I always loved back in the day, was um, I assuming it was a, a shortcoming of the way it was programmed they give you a writ of execution like in in the dark brotherhood they tell you this is your target try to keep it quiet you don't want to get caught blah 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 well since it's legal in morrowind to get these contracts they literally hand you a note that says you kill this person 
And if you get caught by the guards, show them this and everything's fine. You're good. You can do it open in the daylight. And as long as you have that writ, you're fine. But the weird thing about it in Morrowind is it wasn't programmed to a certain person. It was blank. So you could kill whoever you wanted and just give them a writ of execution. Be like, it was him. I needed to kill that guy for reasons. <laughs> and the guards would just be like, oh man, he's got a he's got a he's got a doctor's note. He says that guy needs to die, so I guess he had to die. Uh, you think you'd put a name on it. Yeah, I, I wonder if it was so. just like tech limitations, but I, I'm sure it was, That's but hilarious. it did make very I kept any ones that I didn't do contracts for or whatever, or if I wasn't caught, that was the most common thing. Uh-huh. If you got away with it and you didn't need it keep that in your pocket so that when you got caught it was like uh here you go like i'm totally free and also as it was mentioned by green and chat it could have been a glitch too like might have been it, i mean no bugs in bethesda games so i'm sure that's unlikely <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it very well could have been a bug it could have been a tech limitation but it was really entertaining because it got me out of a lot of jams in more ways that's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, so this guy, he's, he's an Indoril and he gets assassinated and replaced by Halalu and a number of other Indoril choose to commit suicide. So they'd rather not get hunted down. They just yeah, end it right there. We'll just streamline it and end it in at least a less horrific manner, I assume. Right. House Halalu, who had advocated accommodation to the Imperials since the legions started massing on the western border, took this opportunity to take over a number of Indoril councils. So still, still with the with the threat of legion activity on the outside, they're like, yeah, we're still infighting and we're going to take advantage of this, of course, right? So they take over a number of Indoril's councils while House Dress finally agreed with strong provisions protecting the practice of slavery because slavery was very important to their uh, their economic structure. Yeah, and they really have the whole mer version which a lot of different mer have of kind of thinking less of anybody who isn't just mer although at the same time they're just taking anybody like in these it's uh, there tends to be a lot of slavery of of the bestial races lots of argonians argonians and stuff like that um but in the games you can see anybody's free game like they'll they'll enslave anybody it's just they seem to specifically hunt a lot of the bestial races in our um the state of the world today especially for a lot of americans a lot of americans associate slavery with us with racism the two are very connected here in the united states due to the way slavery was run here what most what a lot of people i don't want to say most but what a lot of people don't realize is that slavery historically had very little to do with race and had a lot to do with who you could gain sway and power over and it didn't matter where they came from specifically or what culture they were from or any of that so this is much more similar to that yeah so their enthusiastic support of the emperor or the empire cemented the Hlalu as the leading great house throughout the third era. Little is known of the ground uh, grand council through the third era, but the role of the figurehead monarch of Morrowind personally selected by the emperor was first filled by queen Baron Zaya. A name you might recognize. Name you might recognize. In fact, I did a whole episode. One of the weeks that you couldn't join me, I did a whole episode yes. about the the Baron Zaya and this and the gems that you find and the stones or whatever those are called, um, all of that stuff. So that ties into this as well. A member of the clan Rothim and thus House Hlalu. She was succeeded by her uncle Athen Lethen and later her son King Helseth of House Hlalu, who ruled Morrowind at the end of the Third Era. His reformation or reformation of the Grand Council was seen by some as a return to more traditional Dunmer ways, although he also managed to persuade both his own house and house dress to back the abolition of slavery and carry that policy through the council. So that's good, right? Getting rid of slaves. Yeah, I was going to say that that seems like that would be a big step in the right direction, despite the protests of some of the houses. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, not of course, not everybody agree with this, but sure they pushed it through the council right and the council was still in power here now during the oblivion crisis of the third era 433 this is the events of the next game elder scrolls oblivion the empire pulled the legions out of morrowind and the province was left virtually defenseless while house redoran succeeded in creating an army and house telvani were able to close some of the oblivion gates you have to remember the oblivion gates opened 
everywhere. Yeah, it was across all Tamriel. So they were dealing with the Oblivion Crisis as well. Mm -hmm. And the the Empire was basically like, oh, screw you guys. We're going to go take care of Cyrodiil. (laughs) We're leaving you alone. Uh, The Red Red Redoran Citadel of Aldrun was destroyed by the Daedric invasion. And House Hlalu was left powerless without the backing of the Empire. Following the eruption of Red Mountain, the Fourth Era Five, which obliterated the settlements on Vardenfell, Morrowind came under siege from the Argonians of Black Marsh. So this is the events between uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion and Skyrim. House Hlalu, due to their close ties with the Imperial administration, became the scapegoat for all the Dunmer people suffering. As a result, Hlalu was stripped of its great house status and dis- dismissed from the Great Council. House Telvanni, having lost most of their settlements on Vardenfell to the eruption of Red Mountain, was almost extir- extirpated? This word says extirpated. That, that is, I don't think that's real. I don't know. That, that's probably a typo. In the Argonian invasion as well. With at least one report of its I think destruction, it's exterminated. Exterminated. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 wouldn't. Yeah, we're gonna say exterminated, and I can do a correction on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to edit that in. Uh, with at least one report edit. of its destruction from the the last mainland settlement, also fell to the Argonians. So the Argonians now push back in again. There's like this void of power again. This power situation changes, and now finally the Argonians are getting their just desserts. A few survivors escaped in a ship called the Pride of Telvas, which was later found wrecked in Skyrim. So these are things that you can discover while playing through Skyrim. The last child of the Telvani family line itself was brought up in Blackmarsh under the Argonian name of Branshi. You might find that name Branshi in like familiar. Although some of the house survived to refound a colony in Solstheim under the aging master Naloth. Telvanni, in fact, appears to have rebuilt well enough to hold its seat on the Dunmer Council, while the previously unknown House Sadris, who was in that list we, we listed, was selected yes. to fill the space left by Hlalu. Hlal, or House Indorel, min, meanwhile, had been in decline since the end of the Second Era. The downfall of the Tribunal Temple in the closing days of the Third Era, along with the machinations of King Helseth and his dress allies. These are all events that happened at the end of um, Morrowind. Morrowind, yeah. Uh, saw the Great House suffer greatly, culminating in the sack of their capital of Marnhold by the invading Argonians. Again, Argonians getting their just desserts. While House Indoril still technically exists and holds a seat on the council, the priesthood of New Temple are now considered one and the same with House Indoril. And those who became priests are now considered to have joined Indoril. So the temple and Indoril have now merged. According to right. This. Well, and I mean, I guess that kind of happens because they're using it to bolster Indril without necessarily dropping them out of great houses because they're still there. But with them being weakened so much, like influentially, it makes sense that they bolster them. And if you can combine two things at once, it's like, OK, well, they're kind of merge into taking over this priest, this priesthood, I guess, uh, type of thing. And it's like, yeah, this is kind of them now. Right, right. It goes on and says the political power of Indoril of the Indoril has thus passed entirely to the hands of the new temple, the new temple being the new temple because the tribunal are all killed or missing in action at their minimum. And I mean, spoilers, um, (laughs) two of the three are guaranteed to not be there and Vivek is missing in action. Um, yeah, we'll have to get into that. Okay. Is he dead? Is he dis- disappeared? Like what happened to him? It, it's very interesting just because I really like the fact that it almost works into the series, a potential choice you can make in Morrowind uh, because in Morrowind, there's a lot of, you could just run amok in Morrowind, honestly, uh, which I did at the end of my playthrough. I just <laughs> was like, you know what? I'm st- broke the system. I'm the new god. Like, Turn into freaking Superman, fly around, yeah. shoot everybody so, with like, laser beams. Yeah. Um, in the games nowadays, they they you tend to if you hit and or quote unquote kill like story characters, they'll they'll be knocked out, they'll be wounded, they'll take a knee, blah blah blah. 
in Morrowind, you get this message, you can kill anybody, and you get this mm-hmm. message that you've broken the prophecy, and you've plunged the world into uh, a, a hellscape, pretty much. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, that ain't good. But it's like, it, it gave you that freedom, which is a freedom that a lot of people, myself included, I would love for them to bring back. Let me screw up my own game if that's what I want to do. I don't care. Right. And after I completed my game, you know, you're allowed to go back and talk to Vivek, which has some old, its whole connotations, because, you know, did he, did that story happened where he betrayed, you know, Indril Nerevar, Nerevar and you're theoretically the, you know, the, the return of Nerevar. Yeah. And in my the game, right? yeah, you are the never, the Nerevarine. And I was like, you know what? You're a douche. So I beat him to death. <laughs> um, and so and, in your canon, he is dead in my canon. He is dead because I wanted to see if I was strong enough to fist fight Vivek to death, which spoiler, I was uh, <laughs> So take that Vivek. But in my game, theoretically, he's dead. But in other games, if you didn't do that, he could just be missing an action. I like how the history has gone ambiguous going forward. Yeah, we, we don't get theoretically anything. Could have done that. We don't get right. anything. There's nothing in Oblivion. There's nothing in Skyrim. ESO is before these events, so Vivek is Correct. clearly alive. You meet him. Um, but we, we don't get anything. And yeah, so we're going to have to get into this in a future episode. But like, what happened? Where did he go? Is he right. alive still? Did he right. did he Vivek ascend into some sort of other dimension that equals like moving on and dying in some way? You know, like, well, yeah. what's going on? And, Does he mantle actually, another god? Uh, like, what what happens here? Yes. Also, thank you, UESP, for, for the raid during uh, stream. <laughs> Thanks for the raid. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, friends. Um, and Rob actually mentioned that uh, he, he thought Vivek straight up died during, yeah. when Bardo fell. And I mean, let's be honest. We haven't really talked about this. Like, Lotus and I haven't really talked about this. So I kind of had the same sense of like, well, he's missing, but like he's he's dead, right? Like. Right. Otherwise, he'd yeah, be doing it, stuff. We'd have heard it, about it. It seems like he would be dead. Right. But. But maybe not. The game never really confirms that. I mean, the other two tribunal gods are dead. Uh, this is... If you haven't already pieced this together, this is very spoilery. These games are... It's a lore cast. Extremely old. This is I mean, th- this, this is yeah, yeah, this, <laughs> um, But it, it, Sothisil, unfortunately, is hyper dead in the Morrowind <laughs> expansion tribunal. Um, and, and he's the coolest one of the three. Uh, he, yes, I was going to say, he, he's certainly very unique um, and less, a little less, I don't know, he, he definitely got some interesting bits to Sothisil, but Sothisil seemed like he mostly meant well. Um, Amalexia, Amalexia kind of gets the crazies um, and she... Y- she basically needs to be taken out by you in said yeah. expansion. Yeah. And Vivek is actually really not confirmed. And actually, Weather Dragon uh, fr- from the USP chilling with us right now. Mm-hmm. Vivek is definitely hiding in a cave somewhere as a hermit. <laughs> Absolutely, potentially. Maybe. Like, Maybe. I, I wonder if. He's just the with- Tom Bombadil of the story now. Well, <laughs> he's just like hanging out, doing his thing, singing his little song, skipping around, not caring about what else is going on in the world. So so that's the thing is because it's ambiguous, uh, like I said, maybe your pro- maybe your file isn't the way mine is. Where I was like, I bet I can beat him because I think I've got all the stats at this point and I broke. So I wanted to, like, just find stuff to muck up. Whereas um, since it is ambiguous was the stress of them losing their position too much for Vivek? Because the other thing is Vivek without love and admiration does not seem like that would sit so well with Vivek, Vivek which is, is why it seems like we would have heard of him since then. Right. Unless Vivek is like just this broken person yeah, and yeah. doesn't want anything else to do because also what with the events of Red Mountain and dealing with the heart of Lorca, Vivek's not going to be able to continue doing like they were already having issues with being able to do the pilgrimage to reacquire power. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a thing for them anymore. Right. So, right. They'll slowly drift into being just again, just mortal and theory. then eventually dying. R- right. So yeah. their immortality and that whole thing that they've been portraying to everybody it might not be as much a thing as they want everybody to think that it was. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, we'll have to dig into this some more. Maybe we should set aside an episode to really get. We haven't gone into each of them individually, so it would still be yeah, a, a good that, thing to yeah, do. That, also, that we there's should. a lot of Morrowind stuff that we just haven't covered yet. Yep. So, all right, to wrap this up, the, and we're quoting from the UESP, so welcome UESP and friends. Um, the, the last section here says, the political power of the Indoril has thus passed entirely into the hands of the New Temple. House Dress's modern status is ambiguous, though as the most southerly of the great houses and the one most involved in the slave trade, it is likely the Argonian invasion was devastating. I think that's probably true. <laughs> if the Argonians <laughs> were going to take it up with anybody, it was going to be Dress. However, the Dress have retained their position on the Grand Council and are thus known to have survived with a significant portion of their power intact. House Redoran became the eminent power in Morrowind as a result of their distinguished military and domestic leadership during the Oblivion Crisis, Red Year, and in Argonian Invasion. So they're the ones who stepped up, basically, the Redorans, taking the position as leaders of the Grand Council. They moved the capital to the Redoran city of Blacklight in the wake of their rise to power and the sacking of Mournhold, where the Grand Council meets within the Rootspire. So lots of political upheaval, lots of stuff going on, and at the point that we know things are at, by the end of Skyrim, basically, this is this is the political structure. And like we discussed, we don't know what happened to Vivek. The rest of the, the temple cults has kind of disbanded or now integrated with House Inderil. And this is where things are left. So that doesn't mean that we're not going to hear more from the Dunmer. I think in the next Elder Scrolls, the next mainline Elder Scrolls game, it would be really cool for some some of this to be shined a light on. Yeah, or even give some direction for because a lot of this has been very ambiguous for a really long time. So it would be interesting if they just gave you a little bit of the, the series loves to keep things in that gray maybe area, but a lot oftentimes they'll give you a nudge toward like oh well i don't know what about this this has mm -hmm. been basically untalked about since the events yeah we don't the nereverian it just pieces out after three like there's yeah. just nothing after the events of three with some pretty important characters and the entire island of Ardenfell is basically nuked off the face of Nern anyways. So it's like there's a lot of questions and a lot of time has passed since Morrowind with very little actually talked too much about. Right, right. If if we usually get anything in, in the games, it's like one or two little quests that pop up and kind of remind us of like, oh, yeah, this thing existed from a previous game, you know, where yep. it talked about like House Lalu or um, the Baron Zaya quest line that that stuff that shows up in skyrim you know like oh this stuff's still thing then we go to solstheim which is more wind adjacent right it, we get, yeah, we get a little bit there as well adjacent is a great way of putting it right but we don't get a whole lot else it'd be really interesting to get like you know elder scrolls 6 we get the main quest line the main stuff going on it's, it's going to be more red guard and uh Breton maybe influences from that stuff, right? And maybe some more orc stuff. Those are probably going to be the three main factions we deal with in whatever the next game is, most likely, as far as I can tell. But then to have a few quest lines that are like, Vivek sent me. I was like, what? Wait, wait, <sighs> what? You're a, you're a pilgrim like, from, wait, well, yeah. from Morrowind well, I, and I you're acting? I came on acting? behalf of the Nereverian. It's like, well, the character I was? What? Like, yeah, really? Okay. Really? Yeah, yeah. we um, still worship him over in Morrowind. Really? You worship him now? Like, what's going on with that? Yeah, like, that would be really cool. Yes, and actually, uh, just just because I'd be remiss, because it, it is something that's not as referenced um, in the series, but... One of the things I don't have the excerpt from it, but um, it starts the book off the second one of the Elder Scrolls novels. They're actually briefly at the basically leveled island of Vardenfell. Yeah. And the description of it is super unnerving. It sounds like a horrible 28 days later zombie movie just from like all the destruction. And there's these creatures that are like forming out of all of this wreckage and yeah. destroyed magicka and all this stuff floating around. Um, what if we plus, end up with like these like these tribes, these houses are now like full of these like super Chad Dunmer <laughs> who are like super badasses who who like fight back the you fight back the horrors of Vardenfell. 
I mean, it's we we discussed literally last episode about the wild hunt creating new horrible monsters in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I would imagine an event like the asteroid of Bardow literally blowing up an island, mm-hmm. probably having some negative effects on the environment. Yeah, yeah, and the, and making the people who still live there, like the ones who survive it, tougher because they're the ones who were able to survive it. Right. You only yeah. get you only get the hardened ones. So Chadmer. Yeah, we yeah, have. Yeah. Rob that, the princess Rob from the Keimer princess. to Dunmer to Chadmer. Yes. <laughs> you have you have some Dunmer show up, but their eyes are even more red and their skin yeah. is even more They're dark. Red. Right. They look like they've been like cooking on the sun and they, they show up in Hammerfell or somewhere. And, and you have you have some Nord be like, yeah, welcome to Hammerfell. Dunmer friend and he's like I'm not a Dunmer we're no longer Dunmer we're Chadmer bro they still have the gravelly voice though yeah bro 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 oh I'm sorry I'm a Nord and then he like bench presses the Nord (laughs) just because we're you know doing a quick thing aside like this quick aside on Dunmer and stuff i like mean this that. is the end of the show we've, we've covered what a, we needed a, to cover we're gonna get more into the houses thing, next time so feel which, free go go for it, it. well, well uh, i'm very as, as anybody knows um the, these are stories and i think they're very well written and you know every now and then they need to kind of dig themselves <laughs> out of a weird situation and stuff like that um one thing that is uh, you know i'm not a stickler on what's specifically canon and oh this doesn't make sense and stuff like that uh because you know fiction is fiction but one thing i really have always kind of been like it drives me a little crazy just because it was sort of so referenced before and then recently well not recently since the start of eso it kind of hasn't mattered as much the dunmer were cursed with the red eyes and the ashen skin Mm mm-hmm and in ESO, they don't have to have red eyes. Yeah, that's a little weird. It's just, it's one of those things where people who like to dunk on ESO, it's it's not lore friendly, blah, blah, blah. That was, I re- remember being one of the first things people like jumped on. And I was like, do I care? No. Is mm-hmm. that weird? Sort of actually, just because it, it's so common, like in the lore that it was like, Wait, why isn't that like that kind of got phased out? I feel like a right, little bit over time. Right. It was like the ashen skin part remained. It's something. There's something about eyes and fandoms and people feeling familiar with characters to treat them like people and humans. Uh, so, f- for example, it happens with the Witcher as well. Witchers are supposed to have these very cat-like eyes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and you go back to the Witcher one, and Geralt's eyes are cat-like and he, he looks alien because of it and you can imagine if you met somebody in real life with cat-like eyes he'd be like oh whoa like this this one little detail on your face definitely makes me treat you differently <laughs> like you look crazy um but as the series goes on the eyes look less cat-like i don't think even the netflix show the eyes are cat-like at all in no. fact i mean if anything they you- went like a little bit yellow but even that's been kind of reduced like right right yeah, it's it's weird. So, all right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you guys, I hope you made it through that. It's a lot yeah, of dense stuff. I hope that stuff. wasn't too much of an <laughs> overwhelming info dump. It's a big info dump, but we'll get into some of the houses next time and talk about just some of the differences in the houses and the things they stood for. Yeah. And uh, before that, we'll have our patron episode. We're shooting for, again, this coming Saturday. So Saturday the 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern. 5 p.m. Pacific. So let us know if you can join us, if you're one of the tier four or higher patrons. And um, if you aren't already, feel free to sign up. We'd love to have you join us and chat about sure. whatever. You don't have to be caught up with the show. You can just just jump in. And if yeah, we have covered something to be one offs, if we covered something like two years ago and you're like, I wish we could talk about that again because I wasn't part of the patron. Then we'll offer it. Bring can, it up. Bring it up. Yeah. We can always we can always revisit things. Look at it from a different perspective. Has some different opinions about something we when already we have talked a new about. cast. It can also lead to a different discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, everybody, for being here. Lotus, you got anything cool going on you want to share? Um, so the only real thing that I want to specifically uh, mention is I will be sort of mentioning it mm, probably 
nonstop now uh, up until the point that it happens is uh, we have plans for our big end of year extra life marathon coming up. Uh, it'll be December 3rd. It's going to kick off at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh and then I'm going to be streaming for at least 20 hours, at which point I will relay over to Ark, wow. who is going to relay the rest of it for at least another 20 hours. So just like previous years, we're going to try to stream the entire weekend for everybody um, to raise money for the uh, Boston Children's Hospitals, which is just you know this is my 10th year doing it it's it's a really fantastic cause and um yeah we got our big extra life thing on the way um a couple things i specifically wanted to just bring up was i've uh got some giveaways that we'll be doing we're working on incentives or horrible punishments because people don't like to watch us succeed they like to watch horrible (laughs) things uh Mm -hmm. that we put ourselves through but we're going to be playing obviously well i'll be doing a lot of elder scrolls online slash probably daggerfall unless i somehow finish before then probably not um but it'll be a mix of you know elder scrolls games like it always is but we've been generously provided from Gina Bruno at Zoss. Um, I have codes for Elder Scrolls Online, just the straight up newest expansion. You can just get the game. Uh, she gave me codes for that. I'll be able to give those away when we hit milestones. I also have uh, torch bug, like the custom torch bugs that they do. I've got codes for that. Um, we've got some physical stuff that I'm going to be giving away that I was provided from bethesda uh as well so um we've got lots of giveaway stuff to be doing as well so even if you just want to come and lurk and hang out because that helps quite a bit other than keep us entertained um it's it bumps us up the charts so more people see us and more people are prone to notice us while we're doing it and then potentially donate to the charity. Um, the other thing is we're working out the fine details and we'll probably be joining us either right before or right after again on Tails. But um, the UESP, as you know, we're kind of all joined with that as Tales of Tamriel is the US, UESP podcast and they're hanging out with us in chat as well. Mm-hmm. Um they're going to be providing some help toward the actual charity as well. We're trying to figure out exactly what we can do for giveaways from the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages as well. So lots of giveaways to go along with the charity efforts. So it should be a really fun time each year. It's it's a blast, honestly. Um, it, it's always been very, very fun. And yes, I was going to say it was brought up in chat. Tank in first person. Um, you you yes. still, Tom, have one of the yes. awards that was most notorious of making me play in pvp in first person until somebody literally donated to make it stop it was horrible (laughs) it was so bad it was a big mistake in an mmo Uh, you need to see your surroundings and what's around you and you definitely don't want to be in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff in first person a lot of stuff that throws you in eso oh god yeah when the screen just moves on its own and you're just like oh god wait a minute i'm looking at somebody's ankle and a tree and the side of a mountain yeah Yeah. so uh but yeah so stay tuned to all of that uh it's Mm going to be at lotus of doom on twitch and youtube stuff that'll be where we're promoting it um at the moment twitter's still doing its thing so uh we'll be posting updates there as (laughs) As well twitter's still alive we'll see it's sure doing it um But uh, yeah, right, cool. so that's that's really my important stuff coming up. So feel free to hang out with us and join in on this awesome cause. Yeah, go support that. And yes, I mean, even if you find. can't support it, show up and make the numbers yes. grow on the stream. So more people find the stream, like just be there. Enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, and exactly. If you contribute if you can, because it's a great if cause. you do want to contribute. Literally, you can just look up Lotus of Doom, Tales of Tamriel, or I believe I've got the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages as well, or the Elder Heroes, the team we are any of those and bring it to my page it's it's very easy to find just find me lotus of doom at extra life there you go just send us messages if you want to join us for anything just send us messages we're we're on discord there's links in the show notes there's all sorts of different places you can plug in you can check out us during the live streams or our youtube we do lots of stuff you can find us just search the show stuff will come up Uh, that's the easiest way to do it we try to make it easy to find (laughs) yeah we've been doing this for a while you'll find us if you just do some google searching um but thank you everybody for tuning in thank you to our 
chat for being here and for the raid from the UESP and uh, Weather Dragon and Elanok for joining us on the Patreon during the show. Very cool. Thank you, everybody, for for being here. If you want to find anything else I do, go to robotsradio.net. That includes my shows and all the other shows on the network. Lots of awesome stuff, whether you're into Elder Scrolls or other types of video games or even other stuff as well. Lots of awesome stuff for you guys to check out. But we will be back next week, again, a little bit later with our patrons than we normally do, but we'll still be here and we'll see you guys then. Stay safe. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach me on Twitter at robots underscore radio or Lotus of Doom at Lotus of Doom. Also, you can join us on the Robots Radio Discord channel. You can easily just search Robots Radio Discord on Google or check the description underneath the podcast. Also, this podcast is recorded live every week on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Robots Radio channels on Twitch, YouTube, and on Facebook. So just search Robots Radio on any of those platforms come join us we'd love to chat with you while we record the show or before or after either way just come hang out with us and if you're looking for more information about my shows and the shows on the robots radio network go to robotsradio.net for all the information about all the shows on the network including the robots radio rocket club where i help both new and existing podcasters to grow their shows build their audiences and create the best podcast they possibly can all of that at robotsradio.net we'll see you next time